Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is Winning at Work and Home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us to gather here today. Uh, We thank you, God, for how richly you have blessed us uh, in this place where we find ourselves in this church and in this country that we have that we find ourselves living in. Uh, I pray, God, that you would impress upon our hearts the things that you desire us to learn, that your spirit would speak boldly through Lee this morning. And uh, I also want to lift up a special prayer to all of our leaders, newly elected, newly installed, that they would seek your wisdom, that they would seek you with their whole hearts, and that you would grant them your wisdom as they go about the, the duty of, of leading our country. God, I pray that you would grab a hold of them and instill in them your moral values, the values of God, not the values of man. And I pray these things in your holy name. Amen. Thanks, Travis. Gentlemen, good morning. This is early, isn't it? We're on session 15 today, page 81 in your workbook, Taking God to Work. Many of us Christians, we compartmentalize church and Christian life to Sundays, sometimes Sundays and Wednesdays. That's why we, uh, we big, make a big push for mid-link. I think a lot of us assume that, that church and Christianity and Christian living is not a part of someone's life during the weekday. So we try to get you back to church to reconnect with God and reconnect with God's people on Wednesdays. Um, gathering the body from, from Sunday to Sunday. But it doesn't have to be that way. The uh, latest George Gallup poll says that only in a survey of hundreds of people, out of all professing Christians, only 12% actually had any kind of positive, winsome experience on the job concerning their spiritual life. And that's not a lot. So the survey says most guys and gals, men and women, we don't take God to work. I hope Eric and I take God to work since we're ministers here at this church. (laughs) The scripture says that every Christian should. We are called to be, as Matthew 5 tells us, salt and light to the world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, it is good for nothing except to be thrown and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men and women in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that was Jesus, Jesus' first sermon, uh, otherwise called the Sermon on the Mount. So you can't, can you take God to work? That's the question posed here. The survey says that most don't. The scripture says that, that every Christian should and we are called to be salt and light. What does salt and light mean? It means that, that, that the people around us would taste God in us. If we can have the slides, uh, is, is Eric around? Can we have the slides, please? Thanks. <laughs> the survey says that most don't, most of us don't take uh, Christ to work, and many of my my, in, in my uh, 10 years of working for Fortune 500 corporations, 
it's, it's seldom that, that people have uh, spiritual conversations. And, and it, I think it is harder as a Christian in today's world to, you have to really be intentional and, and initiate and be prayerful in uh, engaging people in spiritual conversations. The scripture says every Christian should, and we are called to be salt and light. What does that mean? It means that, that people would taste God in us. We are to be a multi-sensory spiritual experience for everyone who comes across to us. And then that they would see their way to God because of us. Because of us, they would see their way to God. And we've got stories to share with you in, in, in a few minutes. This is a call for every Christian who works, not just for those who work in full-time ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12, this is one of the reasons, one of the scriptures that really uh, convicted me to get into full-time ministry. It says that God, it was he, God, the Father, who gave us, gave us the body of Christ, apostles, teachers, evangelists, and, um, and pastors, to equip the saints or to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and until we all reach maturity. It is the call of the pastor and the evangelist and the teacher to equip believers, but it is every believer's responsibility uh, to, to take God to work. That's the call. It was Jesus' first command from the Bible, found in Mark 1.11. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It was Jesus' last commandment in the Bible in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, what we call the greatest commandment, or what we call, excuse me, not the greatest commandment, the great commission. He says to go, go where you are. That word go just means walk. Or live your everyday life. It doesn't mean go to another country or to another state necessarily. Go where you are. Go from your home to your workplace. From your home to the university. From your home next door. Go and make disciples. Make Christ followers of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them. Teaching them not just teaching them commands from God. But teaching them to obey or to observe everything I have commanded you, says Jesus. And he says, he promises us that he will be with us until the end of the world. Number three there, work is the world's greatest mission field. If you've been, and I, I, I don't suppose every one of us is a believer in, in Jesus Christ, and that's fine. Thank you for coming. But if you are a Christian for a while, you may have heard of the 1040 window. Um, the, the place in the world, the places in the world between the latitudes of 10 degrees and 40 degrees, where they're least reached for Christ. That is where the gospel of Jesus Christ has not gone in, gone in there. Well, we have developed recently the 414 window, or the 414 window. Between the, the ages of 4 and 14, uh, that may be some of your kids. Um, statistics tell us that in America, 80% of these kids have absolutely no exposure to Christianity have no exposure to the gospel. They don't have either parent nor any teacher that is a believer that can share with them the gospel. I experienced this myself. 
I moved here to Houston from Shanghai, China at the age of seven. And between the ages of seven to 15, I had a lot of friends, but neither of my parents were, were believers. Perhaps my teachers weren't believers, or maybe they were just ill-equipped. So I never heard the gospel until I, I uh, read a Bible on my own. And that's how God brought me to salvation. So we have the 1040 window, we have a 414 window, and now we have really the most strategic window. It's the 9 to 5 window, and that's where all of us are. We spend most of our waking hours, especially Monday through Friday, at work. And it is the most strategic mission field out there, the 9 to 5 window. We're going to talk about resources in a moment, but I want to give you one website real quick, and it's called it's www.marketplaceleaders.com. Org. Marketplaceleaders.org. There's a guy named Oz Hillman who's a marketplace minister. And in there you'll find resources to better um, take God to work. For example, they offer a free devotional, daily devotional, that's sent to your email. And for many of us, we can get that on our cell phones. So let me just read this to you. This is the devotional this morning. From Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its believers labor in vain. I'll read this to you real quick. Imagine spending years building an expensive home with the finest materials and craftsmanship. It is a work of art, and the project is almost complete. As the day arrives to move in, a building inspector arrives and hands you a notice that condemns your beautiful home because it doesn't meet code. Anyone have any experience with that, with uh, personal or commercial properties? Many Christian workplace believers who invest years in their businesses will one day stand before the Lord and realize that they were built that they were building the house, not the, they were building the house, not the Lord. God is very picky about motives behind the actions. Before we act, we must ask why. Why are we doing what we are doing? Has God called us to this task, or is the real motive purely financial, or control, or prestige? If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. The judgment day will bring it to light. It, it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. That's from 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 13. Last chapter here says, David learned this principle by the end of his life. Throughout his life, he had learned that God always tested him to find out what was in his heart, and what his motive was in his actions. David instructed his son to acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. First Chronicles 28.9. So that's just a short devotional. You can read it in the morning. You can read it in the morning sitting on your throne in one of the uh, most luxurious rooms in your, in your home. Or you can uh, read it in, sitting in Houston traffic or first thing you do in the morning. Marketplaceleaders.org. I, I highly recommend that site. And when you sign up for those daily devotionals, they will impact your life in a positive way. This is a call for every Christian who works, not just those who work in the ministry. And then taking God to work uh, because work is the world's greatest mission field. That's why God has deployed the most missionaries there. It is said that we are either a missionary or a mission field. And if you are a believer, you will influence people for Christ or people for, against Christ. So we are all missionaries. The next 
major section deals with how to let God into your work. And there's, there are three levels. And of course, as men, most of us are achievement-oriented and we're competitive, so we want to get to level three. But we're going to start with level one. The basic level is letting God have his way in you at work. Letting God have his way in you. And as we, um, as we think about the inauguration, the unprecedented inauguration of um, President Barack Obama now and his administration, let's think about these things and praying for those that are leaders, the new leaders of our, of our nation. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is at work in you and will, uh, in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So the question we ask is, am I connected? Am I connected to God? 2 Corinthians 13.5 tells us, test yourselves, test each one of us to see if you and I are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail the test? And then the second question to ask is, how do I interact? How do I interact with God? God, there's two ways. You, we see God as the divine waiter, or we see God as personal trainer. Many of us see God as the divine waiter. In other, word, uh, in other words, uh, as a genie in a bottle. If, if, if there's a waiter in a restaurant, you call him or her there when you need someone. And, and when, the, when the food comes and maybe it's cold or maybe something is not cooked right, you ask him to come again. You summon him. But uh, he's not there with you the entire time. And you're not going to listen to his coaching. That's the personal trainer. A personal trainer is someone that, that, that we invite into our lives. We usually go and solicit that person to help us, to help us benefit our lives. And that person, that personal trainer, he's there to coach us, he's there to challenge us, he's there to keep us accountable day by day. And it's something that we really want. So I hope all of us see God as our personal trainer. John 14, 26, and then 16, 13 tells us, when the helper... The Holy Spirit, that's our helper, comes to you in my name, in Jesus' name. He will teach you all things. He will bring to remembrance all that I send to you. He will guide you into all the truth. Gentlemen, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that is, as the one who leads and guides our lives, and as the one who saves us from eternal separation from God, that is, into eternal life and from hell, then Holy Spirit, the Bible says, indwells in our hearts. He will guide us. He's there. You've got that capacity. And we have to decide whether or not we'll allow him. And we'll listen to him. And we'll obey. Here are some ways to, to have God as our personal trainer. Learning God's word. And I think many of us who've been in church for perhaps years and decades, we think of Bible study as something that's so scholarly and intellectual and kind of hard. Um, let me give you one basic way that I do Bible study. I read a passage, and I draw a T. And on one column, I try to write, or I try to think about, what is it saying? What does it have to say? What does this passage have to say? 
And on the second column, all right, how does this apply to me? So what does it have to say, and how does this apply to me? Um, it's not boring. It's very interesting stuff, and I get a lot of insight into it. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you it's a lot more interesting than debits and credits for your accounting. And then asking the Holy Spirit to apply it to our work, to our daily lives, and responding in obedience when he does. If you ask the Holy Spirit to apply a scripture to our lives, we pray things in God's will, and he will, uh, he will apply it to our lives, and then we can respond in obedience. That's, that's all God wants, is our response. A lot of us think that we have to work so hard Please God, but He'll guide us, He'll lead us, He'll convict us, and it's, it's up to us to respond. Number three, what evidence of God at work in me will my coworkers see? And we talked about this last week of making a name for yourself at work as a good thing, not a bad thing, it's not a prideful thing. It is a thing uh, where your coworkers will have favor upon you so that. The light of Christ may be shined, may be shined through us. Luke two fifty two. It says Jesus, uh, and Jesus, when he was growing up, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus had favor and grew in favor with not only God but with men. So how important it is that we also have favor with men and women in our workplace. Here are some evidences. I will work hard. I will work well. I will become a team builder, an encourager. Last week we talked about how um, someone needs 10 encouragements for every discouragement that's given to them. To build them up. Not just a team player, but a team builder, an encourager. I did a word study on the word encourage last week. And it also can be translated, that Greek from the Bible can also be translated into uh, to make good cheer, or to give good cheer. So if you are an encourager, you are a cheerleader for your team. I will be become responsive to authority, and I will become a standard bearer. If you do all those things and do them well, you can move on to level two, and you'll have spiritual credibility. Spiritual credibility has done a lot of things in my life, and I've seen spiritual credibility uh, ruin the witness of Jesus Christ in other people's lives. I had a, a youth group member of my old church who uh, grew up in the church and, and learned uh, scholarly things about, about Christ, but never really trusted in him for what he wants to do in her life. And when it came down to it, she told me, I looked at the lives of my parents, and, and because their lives were not credible in her eyes, said, if those are the people that are going to be in heaven, I don't even want to be there. That can ruin your witness. By the grace of God, uh, I tried to do these things when I was in business. And uh, many of you know that uh, six years ago, my parents and my grandmother were all killed in a car crash. Um, and I won't go into details this morning, but um, the, uh, my coworkers of the company where I was at, Cool Jobs in Dallas, um, all but three of them came, drove all the way to Houston for their funeral. And I think that was because I tried to do these things. I wasn't perfect, but I tried to do these things and be honest and be an encourager and team builder 
my earned spiritual credibility. And I never thought I would have the audience of all these people to share the gospel with, but I got to do that at the uh, memorial service. Uh, I have a friend named Amanda. She's a fashion designer. She's up and coming in New York. Um, and uh, she just got a job for, with uh, Donna Karen, as you know, or you may want to write that down for your wives. She's a fashion designer. Uh, but after a year of working, she got laid off uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I remember that during a very uh, hectic and pressured time of my life, before the night before I was about to officiate a wedding, uh, she had asked me to help her with something. And I was really reluctant, but I thought I really wanted to express my love to this, to this friend. And I helped her write a, an email, craft an email. I used to be in HR, so I helped her craft an email so that she wouldn't burn bridges with all the other companies that she talked to in the past. Gentlemen, if you quit a company or if, you, if you're even laid off, don't, don't burn those bridges because Amanda is about to, to get a new job with this other company, Diane von Furstenberg, this designer company, uh, because she said I helped her write that letter, that email, uh, so that she wouldn't burn bridges with that company. To continue uh, good relations. So spiritual credibility is very important. And I think I have more of an audience with her in talking about spiritual things because she's struggling in, in her faith these days. Level two. So as we move from level one to level two, after we gain spiritual credibility, we can let God use us to touch others through our work. In addition to letting God have his way in you at work, that's just obedience then we let God use us to touch others through our work. What you will need for your ministry at work, a growing and credible Christian lifestyle. Christian lifestyle. It's a Christian lifestyle. It's not a churchy lifestyle. I think a churchy lifestyle sometimes, it's not intended to be, sometimes comes, comes across as judgmental or cliquish, and that can turn people away. So this is a Christ-following lifestyle, is what we mean by a Christian lifestyle. Scripture says to, to urge slaves to obey their masters. In today's world, we can extrapolate that to urge uh, employee, employees to obey their employers. And employees, workers, to obey their supervisors and their clients and their board and their shareholders. And try their best to satisfy them. They may not talk back. They must not talk back nor steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy. In this way, they will make people want to believe in their Savior and God. A lot of us, I know, want to share our faith with our, with our coworkers. But they will not care about what you have to say unless they feel that you care about them as a person. The second thing is prayer, praying for an opportunity, for opportunity and courage to let God use us to touch others through our work. The evangelist Billy Graham tells us that the three most important things to evangelism are prayer, prayer, and prayer. And you can do so much on your knees. You guys know that I'm preaching to the choir. You can do so much on your knees for your families, for your coworkers, than we can do by ourselves. And then another thing we need is a basic evangelism skill, a basic evangelism skill. 
1 Peter 3.15. On your slides it says, if anybody asks why you believe as you do, why we believe as, as Christians, as Christ followers, be ready to tell them and do it in a gentle and respectful way. Another version in the New International Version says, always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that we have. But do this with gentleness and respect. It doesn't say beat people down with a Bible. It doesn't say confront them with their sin right away. It says when people ask, tell them. Don't tell them just your hope. Tell them about the reason for your hope. And, and don't just tell them, but tell them with gentleness and with respect. Telling the truth uh, in love. Couple of, uh, a couple of evangelism skills. Uh, can we have the next slide, please? Oh, it's going to that. Okay. Uh, knowledge of helpful spiritual resources to network people with. A couple of uh, tools that we offer here at the church are a Share Your Faith workshop, and that's going to be offered this it says Sunday there. It's really Saturday. That is the correct date, January 24th. We'll be offering that every two months. It's from like 8 to 4. I'm trying to shorten that from 8 to 1 because I'm kind of ADD and not can't do, do, do the whole day. But this Saturday, our Minister of, New, uh, Minister of uh, Spiritual Maturity, uh, Larry Lilly, will be teaching that class. And you're welcome to come. And then another tool that we have is called XEE, it's Evangelism Explosion for Generation X and Y, um, focuses on relational skills. Half the class are all about interact, interacting and, 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 and relational skills, and the other, class, and the other half is about articulating uh, the good news or our faith. And that's being offered. Uh, I teach that class on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, and we're just starting, so you're welcome to join us. It's a 10-week class, and uh, for seven weeks we actually go into our city Share the gospel with those that we know and people that we don't. So it's good practice as well. But I want to give you guys, um, there in your tables, you have uh, what we call tracts or, or booklets uh, explaining the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, those, those green books with two questions. And so feel free to, I wouldn't say just give that to someone because that's, that's what we like to do in evangelism. We just pass out tracts, um, but if you've got a, a friendship where there's trust, you can share the good news of Christ with someone uh, verbally, through email, whatever, and then you can give that to them as a, as a, uh, as a, as a resource for more information. But I want to teach you all 10 points of a gospel outline real quick um, using our hand. I want to give you a hand to share the gospel. So are you ready? There are five major points to this gospel outline that we use here at our church. Grace, man, God, Christ, faith. Um, the thumb we use for, for grace, uh, grace is God's unmerited favor upon us, right? The Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one, uh, so that no one can boast. So it's, it's a good thing, it's good news. And the two points that go with that are heaven is a, is a free gift, and it's not earned or deserved. That's in your green booklets as well, and it's a lot more explained. 
uh, we use the index finger to talk about man and women because we love to point out the sins of others. But as we have two fingers pointing out at others, we have three fingers pointing out back at us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And man is a sinner, and we cannot save ourselves. I know some of you all might have your kids in, in our kids' EE program, Evangelism Explosion, and we, we teach the kids gestures, and we say, um, we're all sinners, and we cannot save ourselves from drowning in the sea of sin. This, the third finger, we call the great finger, uh, because it is the longest finger, and it represents God, the greatest being in the universe. We talk about how God is loving. He loves us, and he doesn't want to punish us. But God is also just, and he must punish our sin. And then the ring finger, it's really, I'm not married yet, so I don't, it's, is it on our left hand, gentlemen, that are married? I think the ancient Greeks said that the fourth finger on your left hand has a direct vein to the heart. And that's why we, you guys, put your uh, wedding rings on the, the fourth finger. And because Jesus, in the church and from the Bible, we know that Christ is the is, uh is our bridegroom, and we are the bride of Christ. So we use the fourth finger to connotate uh, Jesus. Uh, and we talk about what, who Jesus is. He, is. he is not only the Son of God, but he is God the Son. And what did Jesus do? He died on the cross, he rose from the dead, to pay the penalty for our sins, and purchase a place in heaven for us. That's all explained in, in the Green Book. But if you want to know those four points, he died, he rose, he paid, he purchased. It spells... Uh, the acronym DRPP, or Dr. Pepper. I think of it as Jesus' favorite beverage. If he lived in Texas, would, of course, be Dr. Pepper. Died, rose, paid, purchase. And then the, the, uh, the pinky, OU of little faith. Um, it stands for faith. And we talk about what faith is, is not. It's not just head knowledge. Uh, it's not just temporary. Faith is trusting in Jesus Christ eternal life. So grace, man, God, Christ, faith, and that will be explained in detail in that booklet as well as in these workshops if you choose to attend those. So those are just some resources I want to give you all, and our church has many resources and even through the Sunday school classes on preparing you to share your faith. Now we move on to level three, and that is letting God bless the world with successes from your work. Letting God bless the world with successes from your work. Uh, that is, it's really helping humanity. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ. And we are created in Christ for the purpose of good works. Three ways we can use our successes from our work. We can use financial rewards from our work to help others. When I was a missionary on staff with Evangelism Explosion, my entire salary and expenses were paid for by mostly business people who gave to my ministry uh, through their work. And they, could, they used their income, their financial rewards, to, to help uh, our, our organization to spread the gospel around the world. Number two, I can mentor younger men with my work wisdom. I have three men that I used to disciple in Dallas. Brian, Ed, and Sam, they're all in the workplace. Uh, Brian is a banker. Sam is an engineer. Ed is still going to med school and probably has many, many years to go. 
Uh, and, and they all told me that um, they saw me as they were relieved when they met me because I was still, I was living an evangelistic lifestyle, sharing the gospel, but still working at that time. And they felt a relief that they can still, um, they can still obey God and please God and glorify God through their work. And gentlemen, wherever you work today is your calling from God. Uh, calling from God isn't just to the ministry. It's to wherever you are today at your work. And then you can use your work skills away from work to change the world. I had an IT guy at a company that I used to work for, and when he took mission trips for a week or two, uh, he wasn't there knocking on doors. He wasn't building houses. He was putting together computers um, and, and, and networks. And um, we have a, a Christian, I, know I have a friend who's a Christian counselor who got to go to Banda Aceh, the Banda Aceh region of Indonesia after the tsunami hit, and she got to train uh, pastors uh, on how to do counseling for trauma victims. So you can use work skills away from work to change the world. And that is called the, the Great Mission or the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go and make disciples of all nations. It's a call to show your coworkers through your life what God can do. A call to show your coworkers through your life what God can do. So that's not talking about just a boilerplate gospel presentation. God, grace, man, God, Christ, faith. It's talking about how God uh, is a call to show your coworkers through your, your life, through our individual lives, what God can do. That's our testimony. And a lot of Christians, we think about testimonies as, as a, a churchy term of testimony. And, and testimonies are usually more for Christians than our non-believing friends. We give great detail about how we came to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But our non-believing friends, they want to know how our life was before then. Or if you trusted in Christ as a child, they, they want to know about the benefits of trusting in Jesus Christ. And most people today, most young people, they're not worried about heaven or where they're going to go when they die, especially college kids and, and, and youth. Although there's a lot of suicide and things, um, they're not worried about afterlife. They think they're in, invincible. So they're worried about the day-to-day, -to -day, the today. What difference can God make in my life today? You might be wondering that today. What benefit does a relationship with Jesus Christ have in my life today? And that's where we can share that with people. If you tell people your personal testimony about how God can benefit your life today, I can say to someone, uh, when my parents passed away, uh, I, I was devastated, of course. But I felt, because I had a relationship with Jesus Christ, I felt his love and his comfort. And that's what makes me go on in life. And no one's going to say, well, I don't believe in the Bible. That's not historically accurate. Uh, I don't believe that translation is right. I don't believe there's a God. No one's going to refute your story to you if they trust you and they know that you care about them as a person. It's also a call, the great mission, the great commission, to tell your coworkers how they can find God for themselves. And that's where a gospel presentation comes in, how they can find God for themselves. I want to give you another website to write down. We'll, be, we'll wrap this up soon. It's www.whatsmystory.org. What'smystory.org. No apostrophes or, 
blanks or anything. That is a personal testimony builder tool. So it helps you, it gives you a series of questions, it helps you talk about your life before Christ and your life after Christ. And you can send your coworkers, your friends, um, when the opportunity comes, that web link, and you can share the gospel that way. I have my own website, leeshaw.com, and, and during the big internet boom, I really wanted to reserve my name in that domain space. So I have leeshaw.com, and I really wanted to, I think, I think originally, the motive was, I want to build my ego. I want to make, make a name for myself, right? But after a few months, God convicted me, what am I all about? What do I want to tell the world if the world had access to my website? I want to tell the world about Jesus Christ, that God loves me, that I've messed up in life, I've sinned, and, and, but God doesn't want to punish me. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for my sins by dying for me on the cross. And I can accept that gift of eternal life uh, by trusting in him. So my website, if you go to that, www.leeshaw.com, and I do have a weird spelling in my last name. It's H-S-I-A. It's just a presentation of the gospel. And I interview uh, high school students for Rice University. And recently one of the seniors, high school seniors, got onto my, my site just to see who, who's this guy all about. And he read the gospel. And I think in front of his computer monitor, maybe in front of his cell phone, he prayed to receive Christ. And I got an email uh, about this guy, and I got to follow up with him a little bit. So what's my story.org? Finally, I want to share with you guys two math equations. I know it's early in the morning, but if you'll bear with me, two math equations. In North American Protestantism, we have dumbed down the Great Commission to a project of evangelism. We've dumbed it down to a project of, of sharing a gospel presentation and getting a decision, yes or no. And I want to tell you guys, the Great Commission is greater than just evangelism. Or discipleship is greater than just evangelism. The Great Commission is about doing all we can to encourage, to teach, to influence, to empower, to enable someone to become a Christ follower. That's what that is. If you're, if you're serving in a church in any way, if you're encouraging a friend, if you're motivating someone to become more like Jesus, whether or not they're a, a quote-unquote Christian, then you are a part of the Great Commission. It's not just for evangelists and pastors to go present the gospel and get a decision, although that is important. It's greater than that. And then what's even greater than the Great Commission, the Great Commission is the mission of our church. But the mission of our lives should be the greatest commandment from Jesus. That's found in Matthew 18, 37 to 40. Pharisees asked him, what would you say? What do you say, teacher, is the greatest commandment? He said, love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Gentlemen, not just the strength of our bodies, but with all intensity, love the Lord your God. And the second command is just like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. I think many times in church life, we have had the agenda of converting someone. And we've used love and good works and service for the sake of getting a decision for Christ. And what we should be doing is having the ultimate purpose of loving God and loving people, loving humanity, and uh, have, have um, the sharing of the gospel um, as an agenda 
as a reason, as an outflow of our love for people. Love is greater than the Great Commission, and the Great Commission is greater than just evangelism. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these men who are willing and courageous to come so early in the morning to hear from you, to hear from your word. And I pray, Lord, that each of us, starting from this point forward, will want to take you to work, will want to have you in your scriptures and your word and your Holy Spirit to be a filter through which we live our lives, not only at home, but at our places of work and where we go to school. We don't want you as our divine waiter. We want you as our personal trainer, as our coach. Pray that you'll let, we'll let you have your way with us at work. I pray, Lord, that you will use us to t- touch others, our coworkers, our clients, through our work. I pray, Lord, that you will, we will let you bless the world with our successes. I pray for President Obama this morning and all of his administration in Washington around and around the world, that they will let you into the work as well. If any of them are not, have not trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior, may you be drawing them to your Son, Jesus Christ. and Empower them to make decisions for the betterment of this nation and of the world. Through Christ's name we pray. We thank you, we trust you, we love you. Amen. Thanks, guys. This is the home stretch, so... Next week is the last session.